Hello, everyone. This is your host, Michelle Earhart, here with another edition of the Tom's Hardware Show. Uh, this week is going to be an exciting one. Intel has officially unveiled Alder Lake and allowed us to get our hands on it, but not really benchmark it. But we still have plenty to talk about. Um, and we also have our editor, Jared Walton, here to talk about the new RTX 3080 tier for uh, GeForce Now. But before we get started, let's go ahead and roll the thing. So hello, hello, folks. As always, I am your host, Michelle Earhart. I see we already have a few comments in the chat talking about being excited for this show, which I totally understand because on this week's show, we have our deputy managing editor, Paul Alcorn, and our senior editor, Jared Walton, on. And we're going to start off by talking about Alder Lake, uh, which was officially unveiled. Paul has one in his hand. It was officially unveiled at Intel's event on yesterday. Uh, so, Paul, how are you? What's up? Pretty good. We're, we're pretty busy here doing quite a bit of testing. But we made some time to show you guys uh, today to show you Alder Lake up close we have uh chips and motherboards and ddr4 and ddr5 and rulers and micrometers so we're going to get right to it you'll have to um first of all intel sent the older like chips over in one of the intel used to send us chips with just codes on them and they came in little pieces of plastic and they were terrible but amd has forced them to up their game so we had a little a little display that they sent us and you take it out and Everyone's like the die shot on unboxing. it right yeah and this is actually it's pretty neat i mean if you're yeah like me um this is the die shot it's a really thick cardboard but it's got oh, nice got a picture of alder lake on the back right away. it is a place you can put that um, on your coffee table oh yeah if it wasn't so cool um and you know i want to preserve it but these are the you know alder lake uses just as a quick recap it's going to have a bunch of big cores and a whole bunch of very tiny cores. These are your big cores uh, over here. Here, these are small cores that come in groups of four. So here, they've crammed four cores into the space of one normal core. All this stuff right down the middle is memory and your interconnects, all types of deep dive stuff we talk about. But that's your general idea, especially with these small cores. You guys be prepared to be surprised about these small cores. Four of these small cores produce more power than one Skylake core, more multi-threaded performance, which means a quad-core Skylake chip from like the 7700K is being done. That's a 7700K in that little square right there. So that is pretty phenomenal. Now, the square and the rectangle that you see there is actually in here. This is a 12600K. I-5 12600K, underneath this is that die, and it is long just like you see in that placard. So that's why this isn't the traditional size of a normal chip. It's different. So we'll take a look. Excuse me. I'm sure that one day I will make this some type of a professional mounting where we can do a No job. worries. Uh, I also noticed we have some connection issues, but uh, folks, don't worry. We also have nice professional shots to lean on if we need to. But okay. uh, let's go ahead and take advantage of the on-camera shots while we can. Okay. So, so here, here we is have... Paul. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, okay. you're just crackling and breaking up a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Great. Okay. So <laughs> this is the 12600K. This 
is a Rocket Lake processor. Um, this, as you can see, is longer and more rectangular, and that is square. Here is a Ryzen 9 5900X. This is 12 cores. You can also get a maximum of 16 cores inside of this Intel package here. So that's a comparison of those two chips. Now, this seems rather large, but there are much larger chips. Here we have Intel's 10980XE, its current flagship HEDT chip. As you can see, that's quite a bit uh, larger. If you step up another size, you can go to a Threadripper. <laughs> 3960X. So as you can see, that's quite larger. But if you're playing the game of who's got the biggest silicon, you also have the Xeon Gold. This is a, a Xeon chip that Intel wants to, uh, that Intel sells for quite a bit of money. It's almost exactly the same size as the Threadripper, which is the most curious thing in the world, but there they are. So it's not the biggest chip ever made. Now, if you can you guys hear me well? Yes. So yes. this is one of my favorite pieces of chip history here is a chip made 1978. This is from Intel. This is the 8086. This is the first x86 processor so i just have to show it off but there that is against alder lake alder lake has billions of transistors intel hasn't told us how many this one has 29,000 transistors and runs at one watt this has a 241 watt power draw the last time we knew a transistor count on an intel desktop processor was 4 billion with the 8700k so 4 billion versus 29,000 one watt versus 241 we've come a long way so though that is the chip now that's the 12600k but i was busy and i literally just unplugged this probably still slightly warm this is the 12900k that i just took off it is actually still warm uh we we're just testing it and that's so, in there with some ddr5 ram as well right correct correct so these are rip jaws from dskill and this is your DDR5 memory now. DDR5 is very expensive and be prepared for shortages. We're hearing lots of reports that it's already out of stock at multiple vendors. DDR, you will be able to purchase both DDR4 motherboards like the one in this box, that's a Z690, and DDR5 boards like this one right here. So this is a, a DDR5 stick, they'll be hard to get. So those DDR4 boards are gonna be pretty popular. Here's a piece, here's a, DDR4. Now, these are not compatible with the slots. You can't accidentally insert one into the other unless you probably have a hammer. And the reason why is, as you can see, those notches, maybe you can't see it well, the notches are offset. There's a, a little raise in the middle of your dim stick that prevents you from putting it in in the wrong orientation. So it can only fit in in one direction because that little bump will fit in that middle notch. However, for DDR4 and DDR5, those notches don't align. So it's impossible physically to put a DDR4 uh, stick in here, regardless right. of orientation. Let me make sure. I mean, maybe we're gonna find something out. No, I mean, I already know that it doesn't work. Let's assume you have a motherboard that can do both DDR4 and DDR5. You can't mix and match, right? It's a choice of either or. Well, to my knowledge, and I've asked several people, DDR4 and DDR5 mixed motherboards do not exist and will not exist. And there's a few technical reasons why. Now, we did see that in the transition from DDR4 
one to two, two to three, and three to four, where you could buy motherboards that would have two slots of DDR3 and two of DDR4, for instance. So you could stack them up and you could use either or, but that's not going to exist with the transition to DDR5 because DDR5 runs so fast, they have to use special materials in the motherboard. These motherboards are required thicker PCBs, more advanced design. And if there are, so Intel says that its Rocket Lake chip can run a DDR5 4800. That is the spec, but that's only true if the motherboard only has two slots. If the motherboard has four slots, even if you only put in two sticks like this in these four slots, this motherboard will not support DDR5 4800 at stock settings. The settings drop to 4800. That's the stock settings, and that I mean, you'll still be able to overclock, but the point being is the tolerances are much higher and so vastly different between DDR4 and DDR5 that you can't get them. Now, real fast while I've got the camera down, the chips here are thinner. Intel has thinned the PCB, which is the printed circuit board right here that this IHS, which is the integrated heat spreader, sets on top. They have thinned that down by 30 some odd percent. And additionally, when you compare it to an old one, it's thinner. And then additionally on the inside, they've made some changes. They've made this thicker of copper. It's like a copper slug now, and they thin the, the tin between the two. So, but overall- it What's is, the purpose of thinning the PCB? And like, what does that do for them? Three, they're thinning all three because it allows for heat to be dissipated from the chip easier. It gets heat out easier, and that gives you more headroom. But in the end, the chip is half a millimeter shorter compared to, as I just said that, I can't even get these over that thing because this older chip, the Rocket Lake, is half a, half a millimeter higher. What does that mean? That means, number one, they'll overclock better. But number two, the socket is shorter. So when you have coolers, you have to get special conversion kits for any existing cooler. If you're using old conversion kits, they're not gonna work. You won't get, uh, we're already seeing reports of that quite a bit, that people are even new, some some new conversion kits aren't even working correctly. So that's a DDR4 board, or DDR5, excuse me. What's, then, what's the expected the cost of the DDR4 versus DDR5 memory for like 32 gig? Five, the last time I checked, it was like $500 for a 32 gigabyte kit. You're going to notice something. I haven't seen any 16 gigabyte kits actually available. I'm not even sure if they, I asked our memory guy. Um, and I'm not even sure if they're available. But so just because um, you were breaking up when you said it, that's $500 for a 32 gigabyte kit? I, I'm double checking, but I do believe when I looked, that is what it was at. Um, because part of the problem is it's $793 right now for a team group. Now, team group is bottom of the barrel. Um, yeah. Poor so geez. for a team group, 32 gigabyte kit. Now, part of the problem that you're going to run into here is there are no 16 gigabyte kits available. Um, only 32. When we test, we test with 16 gigabyte kits because they're cost effective. But when you can only buy 32 gigabyte kits and it's $793 for the most bottom of the barrel, DDR5, it, well, I'm sorry, team group, but you're, you're team group. And uh, it's, it's just, that's going to give you an idea. Now, there's already massive shortages of DDR5. 
DDR5 is going to be the Achilles heel of the uh, Alder Lake platform, but luckily, at least for Intel. Hey, I'm finding yeah. 16 gig kits on Newegg listed. Did you find 16 gig? Actually, Crucial has DDR5 4800 16 gig kit for 116 on really? Newegg. Oh, it's it shows pre-order. Pre Everything else is out of stock. Yeah, we've been looking for 16 gig kits. I'm looking on that. Now, why would you need egg. more than 16 gigs realistically? What? Uh, I use 32 already. <laughs> Photoshop and Premiere. My system has 180, uh, 196, I believe. Yeah, because it's the worst station. But, um, yeah, the, the point of the 16 gig is most gamers, that should be sufficient. And it's going to, mm -hmm. you know, in, in the past, you would have considered that to be a, a value. Um, we were looking the other day and I, I couldn't find any. So I'm surprised that Jared found some, but happy, but I uh, don't believe. Well, it says, it says pre-order, so it's not actually, you can't actually buy it. And it's the same, like, uh, this is on Newegg and they've got kits listed for $212 for a 2x16 gig, but they're all auto-notify and, you know. Yeah, just they're, they're, their, it's, it's like finding a graphics card that says, hey, get an RTX 3080 for $700. Yes, and You'll never actually get it. <laughs> okay, so good for, good for Intel that they thought ahead and they're doing DDR4 at the same time. So this is a DDR4 board. Now you're going to notice a big difference between these two boards because look around the socket of this. We've got a bunch of heavy metal. Uh, I mean, this board is heavy. And you, you've got all this thick metal to cool up these VRMs. You have these massive plates. This is a high-end motherboard. This is not cheap. This is, I don't know the price. Of is that a godlike or what's... No, what's it is not a godlike. And it's not even, and that's a good point. This isn't even the highest. Um, we'll have a godlike soon, actually, because that's what we use for all of our tests. So we just haven't... That's seen. a carbon, yeah. It's a carbon Wi-Fi, yeah. But this is a... This is a, but this is still a, a good board. This is by no means budget, and it's a Z690, which is your leading chipset. But the DDR4 boards, at least most that we've seen, and this is another problem they're doing with DDR4 board. This is a, a whole different ball game, especially when it comes to overclocking and features compared to this. And all of the DDR4 boards that we've seen have been these lower end Z690. So you see, you have none of the shielding or none of those fancy bells and whistles. The uh, the cooling on your VRMs and your power delivery subsystem here is much less um, capable. And additionally, you're going to have far fewer phases. I can't throw out, I could throw out specs, but you, I mean, you get the you get the idea. It's a 14 duet rail. So what the the DDR4Z 690s are they going for like the $200 range or? You would have to check because when we've seen listings, the only listings that I've seen, I, I've been really busy. Um, today but the only listings that we've seen yesterday were leaked listings essentially we've seen leaked pricing and you know how that is is yeah uh, your best bottom guess. line is we expect the ddr5 boards to carry quite the hefty price premium for both Correct, memory and the board but really yes that's true but i believe that the bottom line and the important concept here is that you're not going to be able to buy ddr4 in significant quality quantities at any type of reasonable pricing so you can forget the high-end Z690 because the Z4 or the Z690s for DDR4 are all low-end. I have yet to see a flagship class godlike DDR4 board. It's going to severely limit choice because the motherboard vendors are doing these DDR4 boards. In my opinion, is almost at the ones I've seen, are almost like an afterthought. Doesn't mean that they're 
they're of poor quality. They're just not the high end. I'm that very excited to see your test question. results, Paul, once, once they're available, because I want to see, like, one of the things I'm really curious about is how much DDR5 helps, if at all. Like, we, we know with the DDR3 to 4 transition, like, it you got a little bit more bandwidth, which is fine for synthetics, but in real-world use, it didn't look like DDR4 really helped that much. And you look at the timings on DDR5 kits versus DDR4, and it's like, if you've got a sweet kit of, like, DDR4 3200 or even 3600 CAS latency of 14, and you shift up to DDR5 4800, and you're looking at, like, CAS latency of 36 or something, I'm like, uh, I'm not sure that's actually going to be better. So I'm very curious to see what the test results look like, but... It's going to be a it's going to be a tough pill to swallow on this uh, DDR5 transition at the start, and it always is. Like every new memory, the the memory costs a lot more. The motherboards cost more. You got to buy a new processor to go with it, and and it's a it's hard to justify when you look at the usually minor performance gains. But two three years from now, everything's probably going to be DDR5. Yep, that was so. going to be my next question is we mentioned that like you might want more than 16 gigabytes of RAM if you're doing productivity stuff, but why would you want to upgrade from DDR4 to DDR5? And well, oh. if there's no DDR4 flagship boards, but I, I guess that's a reason. But uh, I'm oh. going to go ahead and add in a viewer question here from Twitch uh, asking, what do you guys think about the new DDR5? And what impact do you reckon it will have on the current and upcoming hardware? So the, the thing with DDR4 versus DDR5 is both Intel and mother or memory vendors have been clear that there are certain use cases that are going to benefit one for the other. And some of the things that you have to look at is just simple logic. DDR5 has higher throughput for lower late, but also, uh, you know, higher bandwidth throughput and also higher latency. So what things like a lot of throughput, video editing, um, professional class workloads, things like that, like a ton of bandwidth. There really aren't a whole lot of applications, but heavily threaded workloads that are that really exercise all of the cores, those will eat up memory bandwidth for launch. So if you're doing like transcodes, renders, blah, 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 you get the idea. Those types of workloads are going to benefit from DDR5 because throughput. What's going to benefit from low latency for DDR4? Okay. My world, gaming. Yeah, <laughs> Single-threaded application and things like that and these are just the basic you know these same rules apply to ddr4 with ddr5 on what things are going to like latency and what things are going to like bandwidth intel has said it's a few percent and it varies by game there are some games where ddr4 is faster than ddr5 additionally jerry hits on a very good point there are such sweet ddr4 kits out there that um they are very um fast right and they're cost effective enough compared to ddr5 it, you're gonna you could step up to quite the ddr4 kit and you'll do great and intel's chips on memory over time now one more thing ddr5 over time adoption will reduce cost this is basic economics but not so much with ddr5 it's going to reduce it but it will always be more expensive than ddr4 because number one they have built-in ecc now, there are some differences between types of ECC. It's not like server ECC. It just protects data on the DIN, but it requires one extra chip of memory. So there you've added a cost that is not removable. You're going to pay that. It doesn't matter how widely adopted it is. Additionally, 
They have these new components on VRAM called PMICs, their power management ICs, and they brought all of the power control circuitry onto the stick. This is why they can't mix four and five four, because all of the power control circuitry is actually right in the center. I have some downstairs I should have brought up that don't have a heat spreader, I'm sorry. But right underneath here, there's a little cluster of chips that control all three voltages and convert them into the, uh, you know, the control the three voltage rail on side of this. It's its own unit. Those PMIC chips are expensive and they're hot. So when, because there's a lot of power coming through them that they're converting and um, yeah, that's how it works. So with uh, cooling on these remains to be seen, but um, we'll talk more about that as soon as I can put some hard numbers behind it. But active cooling on DRAM, if you're, especially if you have a, a poorly ventilated case, may become actually a requirement because PMICs are absolutely going to impact both cost and uh, generate some heat. People tend to forget that the DRAM bus, especially on like servers, takes more power than the chip at times. I just noticed I was muted by accident. Apologies. Uh, I'm going to add two viewer questions together here that kind of ties into what we were just talking about. Uh, we have more of a comment here, but a comment from Raphael Hassel, which says Unreal Engine 5 editors of making games, not just playing them, 64 gigs minimum. I haven't looked into that in detail myself, but I've run Unreal Engine 4 before, and I'd buy that. They count um, it 128 sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have another comment from Twitch follow-up from Fire Lord Nora, which uh, says, you know, is the upgrade to DDR5 worth it? And, you know, like you said, DDR4 can be better in some areas. And I assume 64 gigs of DDR4 would be much cheaper than 64 gigs of DDR5. You know, you mentioned 32 gigs. I could get a PS5 for that much. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I, I'm just pulling up some numbers on Newegg here. So um, this is expensive, nice DDR4 kits. Uh 32 gigabytes, G-Skill, CL15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 35 timing. So that's a good kit. There's also a, a 14, 14, 14, 34 kit. 32 gigabytes for $180 for DDR4. Oh, or, that's so much nicer. Or you're looking at um, $270. Well, there's a there's an out-of-stock Crucial yeah, for $212. Uh, there's a, there's an... Oloy, which is kind of a, they're worse than team group in my book. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, G-Skill. Here you go. G-Skill, Rip Jaws, um, DDR5, 5200, CL40, uh, and that's $280. So so basically, you're looking at at least 50% roughly more money for DDR5. And that's assuming the supply holds. Um, yeah seeing and hearing things from memory vendors. Uh, I'm not going to say any names, but more than one, there's going to be problems for DDR5 supply. There will be a shortage. There already is. Yeah. So these MSRPs, you know, maybe those are the same kind of wishful thinking as with the uh, GeForce right. MSRPs. Yeah, I, I think I think it's we're still seeing the impacts of the pandemic and all the manufacturing shortages that that has created. And so it's like, you know, when GPU prices go back to normal, maybe DDR5 prices will be back to normal as well, but we are potentially a year or two away from that. 
So One thing we, that I am personally curious about is crypto won't affect DDR5, right? It's more of a GPU thing. Those are still in shortage, but like the current Ryzen uh, gen, the current Ryzen fifth gen CPUs, you can buy them now. I assume uh, DDR5 won't be impacted by the crypto market. Shouldn't be. Yeah. Like no one, no one does CPU mining of cryptocurrency really, unless unless it's a uh, virus malware thing that's mining for someone else and using your power. But that's a good question. You know, if yeah. you're running a, what, what is it? What's the one you Monero? Monero is on CPUs. I wonder what the difference is. It'd be interesting. We'll that, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's out. not so much bandwidth limited that it uses high. I yeah. I, I do know that if you're running something like a 3995WX, which is like a $2,000 CPU, you make about a dollar fifty a day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So even with DDR5, you're you're not a you're not going to look at a, a I would I would love oh. to see someone do real research and figure out like how much of the like there are there are coins like Monero primarily that are CPU mined um I wouldn't be surprised if like the vast majority of the mining power is using someone else's electricity malware type stuff that's that's <laughs> supporting sure. that network. I, I mean it's up. it's so shady. I bring this up because I hear how high these MSRPs are getting and then I hear, you know, stock is going to be low. At what point does it become risky to scalp these? Like if there's not a crypto market buying them and the prices are so high, who's going to go out there and pay $800 to $1,000 for RAM of all well, things? Well, the problem with RAM here is you might have to watch out because, you know, Intel's up to 16 cores. So when you look at 16 core processors like the 5950X that are on mainstream platforms, they're very popular with creative uh, professionals. People who do workstation work and things of that nature, they're very popular. Uh, you can ask around like uh, a lot of these different boutique vendors will tell you that they do a lot of workstation builds for this. And those are the people who will actually benefit from DDR5 a lot. And, uh, you know, things like Adobe Pro Render and stuff like that. So when you get uh, these types of professionals to where this is a business write-off, they are absolutely more willing to absorb those extra costs if there's a business benefit. If it takes you, you know, half Do time. businesses buy things from eBay, though? Um, no, but they can push up. Well, they might. Who knows in this day? And age, <laughs> they might buy it from a guy off a truck if they're looking for a GPU. But, um, you know, uh, it definitely creates demand, regardless mm -hmm. of where it's purchased. And demand always equals the same. Yeah. So we're getting a little off topic here. Apologies oh. for that. I just, my hopeful heart thinks maybe these won't be hit as hard as GPUs. But uh, back to the CPU capabilities themselves. We have a few comments from Miles Goldman. He asks, can you dis still disable hyper-threading? Yes, Intel has millions of knobs. We wrote an article on the, the launch, and there's, I think it's like page four. I, I wrote quite a bit, or page five. Uh, it's all about overclocking, and there's some slides on there, and we even mentioned it. You can, you can disable cores. Now, one thing, so you can disable e-cores, and that's going to give you some benefits in some things, but I'll have to not tell you what. But I can tell you that you cannot, you can disable all E cores, but you cannot disable all P cores. You, you have to have one active at all times. Let's one. talk about that a little bit, actually, because I know it the is. productivity or uh, the performance and efficiency cores are kind of a, a new thing 
uh, how they're being handled with this chip, correct? Correct. So, yeah. So these E-cores are actually just like an ARM killer. You know, ARM's big thing is that they have very tiny processors. That's why they use a lot less power. They're very small, but they're, they're designed to do one thing very well. Um, these E-cores are kind of like ARM killers uh, because in many ways, like they're already talking about using them in Xeon. So Pat Gelsinger told us that in that round table yesterday. Um, because they're so, I mean, he didn't say why, but I know why, because they're so effective. Four of these little tiny cores fits in that, like I said earlier, and one big P core. Now, what it's going to do, okay, there are a few awesome use cases for this. The P first, they're going to run lightly threaded things that have a, a high service priority. So a game engine, the rendering part of that game engine is going to run on that P core and it's going to be super fast. Well, fast. We'll tell you how fast soon enough. But there are other threads of that game engine, like audio processing and physics, that they can offload to this tiny cores because these tiny cores are for background tasks. Additionally, you can when you stream OBS, already worse to where all of your streaming workload goes on here. Streaming is CPU intensive. That's actually pretty sweet. Intel shared some numbers showing 84% uh, higher frames per second when streaming and gaming. And I really don't trust any benchmark from anybody that we don't run ourselves. Trust mm -hmm. on hardware, no one else. But um, if it's even half of that type of a game, that's pretty impressive. So they're so basically they are, saying in OBS that you can it will dedicate all the encoding tasks to the E cores, e so that the P cores can just do the game. Correct. And so you'll get that's higher frame awesome. per second. So and and you're still and getting powerful. They're powerful. Like think about Remember, this. This is like a seventy seven hundred K. Yeah, and yeah. well, and there's two of them. So it's really like it's really like a ninety nine hundred K in E cores, right? I now at very specific tasks, which are threaded tasks, but yes. Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, like that. It's pretty crazy to think about. The, they don't have AVX 512 at all in the E cores, which is part of, like, they don't have that in the, the it's there in the P cores, but disabled for desktop, right? Yes, it's fused off. They, yeah, yeah, so so I, I wonder how much wasted space there is on those P cores for the desktop. Well, uh, P cores, when it comes to AVX 512, it's actually for the actual part of the chip, that, the actual part of the microarchitecture that, that processes it. It's not a whole lot. The big difference is in the register files and, and things where they, you know, in order to address that kind of bit with, it yeah. does take up some space. But, I mean, I've heard projections in somewhere like three to five. That is really, I, a lot of people wonder about that, but it's actually a lot lower than, than you would think. That's probably something. I kind of, I'm surprised they couldn't just, like added into the e core in some fashion but yeah i, I i'm sure that they could but um you know it's because the e cores do have avx 256 support right they, 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 you know, yeah. they do avx2 which you know um i there, there are so many considerations in that and some of that is interconnect and things like that so when you look at when you look at avx 512 what it's going to do is it's going to use a ton of memory bandwidth right it just soaks up memory if you and this is somewhere where DDR5, if they had AVX512, would be fantastic because of all of that memory throughput. But the problem with that memory throughput is that you have to get it into these cores, and that means these little roadways and pathways that bring things from these memory controllers up here down to those cores, they have to be wider. So when you're making these types of decisions from a holistic view of the SOC and the entire chip, you've got to think, okay, how am I going to beat it? And how do I get the power and how do I get the data? And then all these little things start getting bigger and then everything 
starts getting bigger. And I'm glad you brought that up, Paul, because yeah. I have the uh, chipset diagram and also a picture of the chip pulled up here a little bit. I didn't pull up the uh, benchmarks Intel sent us because, again, we don't really trust benchmarks. We don't run ourselves. But is there anything like new here with the, the chipset that you want to talk about, Paul? Intel on Rocket Lake brought PCIe 4.0 to uh, the chip, but not to the lanes that hang off of the chipset. You know, everything comes off of this little chip here. The Z690 is nanometer, okay, which is common. They're always an older node. These Alderlace 10, by the way. Well, they call it Intel 7, but it's come on. Um, the they had a problem with their chipsets, and we actually broke it at Computex uh, like a two years ago. Wrote about it a year before anybody knew. And a lot of people questioned it, but they had a problem with the chipset, and they had to disable PCIe 4.0. So Rocket Lake has never had four full PCIe 4.0 because they had a problem with the chipset. Yes, we were proven right, but. With DDR, with Z690, they did fix that. And so you're getting 12 lanes of PCIe 4.0. Also, something that Jared and I were talking about the other day, he mentioned, is uh, the DMI connection. The connection between the chip and the chipset, the pipe, is wider. It's, uh, well, it's actually not wider. Yeah, it's well, it, it, it got wider going from from Comet Lake to Rocket Lake. Yep. It went from four, four lanes eight. of Gen 4, 3 to eight lanes of Gen 3, and now they're doubling the speed again to eight lanes of Gen 4. So, yeah. I mean, that's, it's it's good to see. It's kind of like one of those, it's about time. So that is, I believe that's that's double the bandwidth that you get from AMD's um, latest chips or Intel's Rocket Lake. Um, but I, I guess we'll wait and see what AMD it's does. It's 14.88 gigabytes a second. Why does that matter? Because a lot of times vendors will hang different uh, components not connected to the chip. Like this PCIe slot, this M.2 is connected to the chip, but you have two M.2 and on some boards three that will be connected here to the chipset, which then has to go over here. So if there's a skinny pipe and you have yeah. two or three really awesome NVMe SSDs in RAID, um, you're never gonna be able to run them at full speed because they're going to saturate that pipe. And it becomes a bottleneck, and it's terrible, uh, you know, because you got other things hanging off there. Uh, SATA, USB. Now, when you're looking at the new USB, everything that they have is two USB by two ports that are 10 gigabits a second. You only have one. Now you have two, and that's really important to me because I use. I mean, it, it is. I use USB-C for everything. So when you have all of these devices talking through this, and the pipe here is skinny to the chip. It's terrible. So the DMI, like that is a tangible, that's, that's nice. Awesome. Um, and then we talked about PCIe Gen 4 with the chipset, um, but there's also PCIe Gen 5 with this, correct? Correct. But that is fed directly off of the chip, which is a distinction there is uh, that PCIe 5.0 comes off of the chip. So. Great. Is there anything like interesting with the chip design? I know you showed it off earlier, but you know, we can only do so much off a live camera. Here's some like photos you already took of the chip design themselves. Anything to comment on here? When you look at, this is a real, uh, a chip nerd will like this and appreciate it. The chip in the upper left-hand corner, can you zoom in just a little bit on that? 
the heat spreader up in the yeah. yeah you can see it ever so slightly in the left hand corner it's just a detail but i like it they when you install a chip it has a little triangle in the corner that matches up with the triangle in the socket it tells you which way to put it in the socket the triangle can only go in one place because the chip can only go in one way so with these it's the smallest thing, but I don't know why they didn't do it many decades ago. You can see the little tiny triangle in the corner uh, on that picture in the bottom left-hand corner, but above it on the heat spreader, they've now put silk screen, a bigger triangle. There, it, oh, yeah. In that, I mean, come on, it's stupid detail, but it's a... It's actually hard. Like, I've installed enough CPUs. Like, when you're in a inside a case and you're like, oh, wait, like, you're trying to look in the dark and figure out where the triangle is on the motherboard yeah. and the chip. It's yeah. it's not, like, it's not super hard, but it. Yeah. I usually it's, have a flashlight in my mouth or hand so I can see which way to install it. Because <laughs> the triangle will be on the socket as anybody uses it. You can't see it because of the lighting. I'm sorry, but there's a triangle on the socket. You line up the triangles. It's just a, it's a detail that, I mean, somebody who messes with CPUs a lot will definitely notice that. Um, what CPU else? nerd. Yeah. If you also look, you also see that there are notches on the chip at the top. There are two at the top, two at the bottom. In the past, those used to be on the side. Those are to prevent you from installing it backwards as well. So if you don't line it up correctly, it won't drop in because those notches will prevent you. They've moved them uh, from the side to the top. The package is longer, it's thinner. Um, the, there are some other details. If you zoom in on the pins on Alder Lake, the pads, actually, when you look at the chip in person, it looks weird because the pads, they look strange. It's unlike anything I've ever seen on a chip, and I've seen a lot of chips. But the little circles are different sizes. Now I'm talking with Intel about why this is, and they're going to get us a good answer. Do you see what looks like those little squares there? I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, your your quality just shot up. Well, they're on the the top right and the bottom left. Photo. Right? Yeah, see it, see it like that. I mean, you can see it every now and then. I'm sorry, but it's extremely hard to pick up. You might see it in some pictures, but it looks like there's little areas where there's little squares. Those are squares of smaller pads. I've I've never seen anything quite like it um it's weird we'll figure it out there's a, there's absolutely the picture does not do it justice there is absolutely a reason why they did it i assure you that awesome Other um well before we finish talking about alder lake we did mention cpu nerds earlier we have a bit of a hot take here i guess from ruru 2m who says i think p and e core aren't all that important for desktop where power draw isn't an issue like laptops do you agree no um the, it's the less critical is, they're but... not about it, it, it isn't helpful with power but the, the, you have two reasons for e-cord one is power the other is area so you only have area is size you only have so much room how much horsepower can you pack in if you could take these are essentially just specialized cores you could almost think of them like an asic or specialized processor that is designed to do one type of task very fast so because they're so simple, you can put a lot more compute power in that square than you would be able to otherwise. So, I mean, that's what graphics cards, like when you get down to it, they simplify the cores a lot and they pack in, you know, 
effectively i mean they they call it thousands of gpu cores like if in nvidia they say oh well you know the rtx 3090 has it's not 1020 it's not 10240 but it's around there i think 10240 might be the 3080 ti but it's like each of those is really an arithmetic logic unit and you know each core in intel has like what uh six AL, no four alus right well, and they've got you know out of order processing and they're yeah but i'm just saying like if you're talking alus just strict alu pipelines that you would find in a cpu core each chip or each core has like four or six or something yeah. ALUs. Well, GPUs are like, well, throw everything else out. We don't need complex branch prediction. We don't need all this. And, and they focus just on cramming compute in there. And that's why you get GPUs that are like, oh, this GPU will do 50 te teraflops of compute. And you go, well, gosh, Intel's CPUs top out at like one teraflop. And they're, those are the big 32 or whatever core chips. And that's why. Awesome. Yeah, but it's different types of Yeah, very you're, different you're, types you're, of cute compute. My, my, my thought of this, I think that it's a brilliant idea, but uh, executing it effectively is another thing entirely. The ability of the operating system to schedule the threads onto the small cores in an effective manner is the key to all of this. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I think if it, we'll see. If it works as expected, as they expect it to work or want it to work, yeah, so that, don't don't run Alder Lake with Windows Windows 10. Basically, is yeah, one of the. Yeah. That leads me to my final viewer question for this. Um, so excuse me if I butcher your name. Uh, Agus Fadila Sani says, "AMD should afraid of this. Should AMD afraid of this?" <laughs> uh, nails in the coffin. No. We would have to get out the nails for the coffin or that they would be afraid, but I think that it is, I, I would wager, I can't say, but I would, I mean, I, I'm not even done testing, I'll be honest with you. Um, but I would not, uh, AMD should be afraid for its margins, not for its life, okay? If AMD has to worry about this, all they have to do is reduce, reduce their price. Because here's the thing, there's no such thing as a bad product, only bad pricing. If you sell it cheap enough, this 5900X with 12 cores and 24 threads can do anything that I need it to do for the next five years. If you knock 50 bucks off of this, it doesn't matter how fast this is. If it's $150 more, and that will do close enough. That's so a they, very good point. Yes, AMD sells broken PS5s, so you know they can find a way to sell things. Yes. Well, and, and it's not like the bulldozer. This isn't the bulldozer days where bulldozer was kind of a bad architecture that really had problems in so many ways and just never took off. Like Ryzen is already good. Ryzen and so, fantastic. Yeah, so it's like, hey, so maybe Intel takes the lead back for a bunch of workloads, but you know, AMD right. can cut their margins some. Yeah, they, they can absorb a little bit. They're growing like crazy. Have you seen their earnings? They're like Scrooge McDuck over there. They're they've been they've up. been 50% up year over year for the past four quarters. It's insanity. I, I'm getting tired of writing earnings because it's always like more record, 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 record. They're doing fine. AMD has nothing to be worried about, period. Great, great. Um, so uh, we have to move on to another topic. But before we do it's that. It's what everyone came here to see. <laughs> no. 
I, I asked you on to be Jared, and I think it's interesting, so I definitely want to talk about it. But before we do that, Paul, uh, I noticed we had one big missing thing from this discussion, which is benchmarks, and that's because we're not allowed to talk about them yet. When will we be able to talk about them? November 4th. Great. Uh, and you can read about them on tomshardware.com. next week. DDR4, DDR5, Win10, Win11. We'll have it all. Overclocking, whatever. And we'll do it. So Paul might not sleep for the next week, but we'll have it. Yeah, God well. bless you, Paul. I hope he has some vacation days saved up. Speaking uh, of... Every day is a vacation when you're testing all their like people. Speaking of vacation days, uh, maybe on those vacation days, you could play some games using our next topic, Yay. which is uh, GeForce Now, which now has a new RTX 3080 tier. I have let a me, lot of thoughts about this, but Jared... Just to, just to go and... Uh, so let's say you're a gamer and you really would love one of these puppies and you just can't buy one. And this is the 3090, um, which is a monster... Like, it's so big. But the 3090 was supposed to be a $1,500 graphics card. Guess what sells for over $1,500 on eBay right now? That's right, the $700 3080. So instead of selling more to miners and a few gamers, NVIDIA has gone and stuffed thousands of these, presumably, into its data centers into new GeForce Now servers. They're they're actually it's like the uh, the A100 super pods for the you know what's the I'm I'm drawing a blank on the name not Frontier but the the other supercomputer that's using Nvidia stuff uh, that's coming and they're using these huge A100 super pods. Well, Nvidia has created super pods for GeForce Now and we don't know how many they've installed. But I would assume like they've got to have dozens out there in the wild now. And each of those super pods has like a thousand um, of the Ampere GA102 chips in it. And the, it's interesting because NVIDIA calls these RTX 3080 tier. And they're not an RTX 3080. They're not even close to an RTX 3080 because they've got 24 gigabytes of VRAM like the 3090. But it's GDDR6 VRAM instead of GDDR6X. Uh, it's it's called the NVIDIA A10 processor, which is a, a data center part. But this is the A10G for GeForce now. I don't know how different they are, but it's, it's interesting when you fire up a game and it's like, oh, you've got 24 gigs of VRAM. I'm like, well, the 3080 only has 10 gigabytes. You don't need 24 gigabytes of VRAM, especially not for streaming a game because you're only running at 1440p maximum. Uh, they now support 120 FPS, 1440p. And if you flip to an article, we won't even try and show it on the stream here because guess what? This video stream is compressed and it would lose all the details and such. But if you go to my article, you can actually pull up still shots of captured of a 3080 running locally at 1440p and GeForce Now streaming um, at 1440p. And there's a definite loss in quality. There's a little bit of fuzziness and blurriness, but in person, it actually feels quite good. And I'm like, gosh, if I mean, I don't wanna say you don't need a graphics card, right? But 
If you're no, no, you don't want to say that. No, you don't but want if, to say that. If you're one of those people who's been like, I've been trying to get a graphics card and I'm so sick of this, and hey, I've got a laptop that just can't really handle games. Like I've tried this on an Intel um, Ice Lake, so it's the the i7 1165G7. So it's it's their high end Ice Lake chip from a couple of years back, um, which basically blows chunks when you try and play games and it ran pretty well like the, the big problem i had with the laptop was a wireless connection uh geforce now really really benefits from having a wired internet connection but uh you know here i am on this laptop that's consuming like 15 watts or 20 watts of power plugged in for the entire laptop and i'm playing games at 1440p uh the laptop only had a 60 hertz display and i sat there and i played for a while and i'm like it's actually a pretty good experience and you know uh it's a hundred dollars for six months and you go well that's kind of expensive but i'm like you know what's more expensive than that a fifteen hundred dollar 3080 that's seven and a half years of geforce now <laughs> So yeah. I have questions about this, but before I get into those, I actually, I've, I did not think about this, but we have a viewer question. The benefit to GeForce Now is that it can play things that you already own yeah. via Steam, uh, and Steam now has productivity apps. So Raphael Hassel asks, can I run Blender on Steam in the cloud? I would, I would guess the answer is no, because... Every app on, or every game on GeForce Now that you can play is specifically certified and, and whatever NVIDIA has to do, it's made to work with it. And I even asked, I said, hey, um, can you enable the Bright Memory Infinite benchmark for, you know, it's on Steam. Can you enable that so I can run it on one of these? And they said, nope. We're not going to do any synthetics, and Damn. and so they're they're not doing productivity apps. There's no mining on these either. Like people, I, oh, I'm, I'm waiting man, for someone to mine great. using Nvidia's data center. Yeah. So what you got to do is you got to create a game, put it on Steam that actually just runs mining, and then you got to get Nvidia to port that to GeForce Now, which obviously they wouldn't do. So you know there is there is that aspect and. I, I joked about seven and a half years of cloud gaming for the price of a of a 3080, and obviously NVIDIA's not doing this out of the goodness of their hearts, right? Like, they see streaming as a big deal going forward, um, get it into more people's hands, put it in the data center, and potentially it's like, well, uh, let's, let's do some quick math here. You've got 24 hours a day and 30 days in a month, which gives you 720 hours in a month, and you say, well, how many hours of gaming does a normalish person play? I'm like, maybe 72. Like that's that's almost 22 hours or 20 hours a week. That would be a lot, I think. That for would a lot be of generous, people. even for me. Like that's I don't play games that much. I might run benchmarks that much. Yeah, but, so so pretty <laughs> much pretty much you're you're saying like you can take one GeForce Now hardware instance and you could potentially have 36 people sharing that 40 people sharing that over the course of the month you put thousands of those in and and you're, you go well okay so it's 16 dollars a month times 
you know, 36 people, that's $600. And the hardware still probably costs NVIDIA about, you know, $400 to create for the for the GeForce RTX 3080. Jared, so, I feel like you're trying to sell me a timeshare right now. No, I, I'm not trying to sell it. I'm saying this is why NVIDIA did it. Like, yeah. NVIDIA did this because they're like going, we can actually make more money this way. Um, oh, yeah, but, but to what multiple? Yeah, so we don't know we don't know the ratio they're using. Like are they selling them at 10 to 1, 20 to 1, 40 to 1? I don't know. You know, Jensen Nvidia CEO, he's not doing this out of the goodness of his heart so for gamers. It, he's okay, doing it to reason, make money. It has 20 gigs of RAM, and the reason why is because they're virtualizing it. Because they're actually splitting that GPU up into multiple No, I so I I asked about this. So there's three tiers of GeForce now. Free tier, as far as I understand it, it's like an RTX uh, 2060. It's it's not. It's called a Tesla um, GT. Uh, sorry, Tesla RTX T10-8, something like that. I think that's what they call it. That I believe is shared between up to two people. Um, the next tier up is the premium tier, and you get what's the? It's a Tesla RTX T10, but it's not shared. And it's it's not the the trimmed down version, so it's basically like a twenty eighty, and then the the A ten G is not shared, and you get twenty eight gigs of of memory. You get an eight core sixteen thread CPU, virtual CPU. So from what I can tell, they've got they've got servers that have a Threadripper um, Threadripper Pro thirty nine fifty five X. So that's a sixteen core. 32 thread CPU and they split it and they actually allocate like one chiplet. So that's eight core 16 thread that's allocated to one user and the other chiplets out allocated to the second user. And there's two graphics cards in the server. So, you know, you're not, you're not sharing your graphics card. And, and let me tell you, if you try the free version of GeForce now and you go, man, this is kind of sluggish and it doesn't work that great. And why would I pay for this? Well, it's because it's the free version and it's really trimmed down. Like you go from the free version to the, to the RTX 3080 tier. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's a big difference. Not, not just in visuals, but in terms of performance, they prioritize, you know, bandwidth and all that other stuff. So the, the pay users definitely get a better experience than the free users. Mm. Should you buy it though? Um, you mentioned like games, can you do productivity apps, all that stuff. You can't do anything that's not on GeForce now, which I would guess is probably, they say thousands of games, probably a lot of your favorite Steam and um, Epic and Ubisoft and electronic arts games are not on there i mean like i i was going to run benchmarks on geforce now and compare it to a local 3080 which is what i did in my article and so i made a list of all the relatively new games that have decent benchmarks um and i was going to run all of these well borderlands 3 you can't run borderlands 3 you can't run dirt 5 you can't run horizon zero dawn um Far Cry 6 works, but you don't have access to the ray tracing. Red Dead Redemption 2, not there. I'm not sure if Grand Theft Auto was there as either. I didn't check that because it's so old, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's not. So basically, it's like it's it's not the same as a gaming PC. 
I noticed that's a lot of single-player games, too, which is what I'd want to use this for yeah. because I don't want input lag on my eSports game. But you can play... Um, uh, what's it called? You can play PUBG. You can play the... Uh, now I'm drawing a blank. The, the Electronic Arts one that's Valorant, I Oh, think. Uh, Apex no, Legends. Apex Legends. There you go. Not Valorant. I, I don't know if Valorant's on there or not, but they do specifically say, hey, it works with Apex Legends now. I don't... like. There's you definitely notice, more lag. Yeah, did you it, notice extra lag when you were testing? I assume this is very local to your internet connection, too. Yeah, so so it's it's not at all GeForce Now data centers right now. Um, it's They've got the 3080s, the 3080 tier. They have hardware in, like, the West, the East, uh, the Midwest, which they I was told the West is in California, the Midwest is in Chicago, I'm in Colorado. I had a uh, the software showed a bad connection to the west, but it showed a good connection to the Midwest, and so I had like a 33 millisecond latency result, um, and and that like that's two frames at 60 frames per second of lag, and you might say, oh, two frames, but unless you're like a very hardcore gamer on PC, you probably won't notice it. Um, I didn't feel it was that bad in like most of the games I played but there were times where I was like man it's it's just a little hard like in Far Cry shooting well there was an eagle or whatever that attacked me and I was trying to shoot it out of the sky and I kept on missing I'm like what the crap and it's like well it's probably because of the 30 milliseconds of extra latency just a, a little smidge off but uh, I assume certain genres are gonna suffer more too not that you would need a 3080 to play yeah. them but like a fighting game I wouldn't want to play on this yeah I don't know you might be able to get used to it because a fighting game it's like you just have to retrain your muscle memory to be two frames earlier or, or whatever <laughs> um but you know it's it's interesting like i've i've poked around at stadia stadia like i think geforce now has a better latency and experience in that side and i'm like i hate the idea of buying games on stadia and not being able to mm -hmm. take them with you should Stadia go the way of like Google Plus and I don't know how many other? Google I think that was the big. That was the big Achilles heel to Stadia for me, more than any performance issues. So the idea to play games I already own, this feels kind of risk-free in a way. Is there yeah. a free trial for this? There, there's a free version. So the free tier gets you 1080p, 60 frames per second streaming maximum, um, but it's like half of a. Half of a 2060 is kind of you what your performance is like. You have to pay then to like. even try the 3080? Yes. Okay. Uh, and so, well, so the free version, you're limited to an hour-long session, and then you get bumped, which happened to me when I was testing it, and I got bumped in the middle of a boss, well, not a boss battle, but a, a fight area in Far Cry 6. And I was like, oh, that sucks. So, um, But uh, the, premier, the premium tier is $50 for six months, and that's like an RTX 2080 in the cloud. And um, it's still 1080p 60. And then the RTX 3080 tier is an eight-hour session limit. Um, and it's, you know, up to 1440p and, and 120 hertz or 120 fps. So if you've got a higher refresh rate monitor, I, this is the thing. I was like, if you've got a, a 1440p 
144 hertz monitor, like, what's the chances you don't have a decent graphics card yeah. to go with it? So, so we can we can break into the the politics of you know companies trying to take gaming hardware and centralize it in one location instead of letting people have access to it. But that's maybe a topic for another show because we are running up on time here. I do have one personal question though. Uh, was kind of related to this stream. Did you notice any like crunching or like artifacting where the connection got really bad? Suddenly things look pixelated and nasty for a second. Um, there was a little bit of like fuzziness. The the place where I noticed it worst was when I was trying to do it on a laptop with a wireless connection. Um, and and I talk about this in the article as well. Like there's the bandwidth consideration. Like even the lower the lower end uh, 1080p 60 still uses about 10 gigabytes per hour. So if you've got a data cap, like this would be potentially bad news. I mean, you could play, you could play, you know, 50 hours a month and it would probably not be a, a deal breaker. But if you were a person playing, you know, a hundred hours a month, I'm like, there goes your terabyte data cap. Um, so keep that in mind. But with a wired connection, I've got a gigabit download speed and, um, and I don't have a data cap and I didn't recall seeing anything in the way of serious issues on the wired connection on a desktop. So awesome. Uh, one, one thing to note, I guess, kind of related to that centralizing hardware away from people thing. I assume mods are a no go on this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all basically a curated list that Nvidia has created and my understanding is every Thursday they they call it like the GeForce Now Thursday or something where they release new games on the service. They also oh, have they also do like free uh, trials of games. So it's like, hey, you don't own Far Cry Six, you can play it for for the next few days or something. I I don't know that Far Cry Six is on there, but they do free trials of games that you can play on the service for a few days at a time. Um, so I mean. It, the free version is worth checking out if you've never looked into it. Just don't don't expect it to match like the local experience because it won't. And this you have to pay. What's like the cheapest I can do to get on into this? You said a hundred dollars for six months. Is there like a monthly payment or? Um, so the thirty eighty tier doesn't have a monthly payment. The fifty dollar tier does have a ten dollars a month option. So you could try that for a month, but then you're only getting the 2080 and you're only getting 1080p 60. So to um, try this out with a 3080, the, the minimum you can spend is- They want you to subscribe a, for a month, uh, for six months, yeah. That's that's not something I've seen on any other service, but I guess I can see yeah, why. It's, it's, a, it's a big jump to, to do that. So I guess you, ha you have to decide like after testing the free tier, is this something you would use? And it's like, if you traveled a lot with a laptop, and you still wanted to play games like i mean gaming laptops are super expensive and so if the games you want to play are on geforce now or a service like that i think you could potentially talk yourself into hey i could i could spend 200 dollars a month on this and buy a five or six hundred dollar laptop rather than buying a 1500 to two thousand dollar gaming laptop but what's exactly. the lag at thirty two thousand feet uh, that, yeah, it's not going to work on the plane, no, no, Paul. No, no, no. Sorry. No. Well, not I mean, until we you get G5. Your gaming, your gaming left? I, get, I don't know. Start we got to get G5 
Everywhere. How long is your gaming laptop going to run on battery at 30,000 feet? And how well is it going to run on battery? Well, and, th- and so this is another interesting thing. Like, because it's all just streaming, it's like if you take a, a laptop that you're like, hey, I can watch YouTube for eight hours straight before the battery's dead. You can basically play GeForce Now for six to eight hours. I'm like, that's, that's kind of cool, too. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, I'm curious if Steam Deck will have it. I know it's on mobile phones. Um, so did you actually, I, we should end the show soon, but did you get a chance to test it on mobile phones? Uh, I didn't even try on any mobile devices because I have an iPhone. And guess what's not supported by GeForce Now? Does it, oh, oh can, can we not do Apple, the browser? I have an iPhone too. Can we not do the browser uh, workaround? I don't know. I had I haven't even looked at that, but I know iPhone, Apple really doesn't want people doing non Apple Store stuff. So we're breaking into Paul's anti Apple hour here. Um, I do have one viewer uh, comment that I want to make a quick nod to. Uh, Ruru2M is back and says this is just Nvidia's trial run to get the Netflix gaming partnership. Now, I know for a while, cloud gaming was kind of a, a laughing stock. It sounds like it's getting more and more serious. So I could see this being somewhat of a clout building maneuver, but I'm not sure NVIDIA. Well, I mean, like, let's be clear, like, like GeForce Now has been around for years, you know, it, and, and if you go back, I mean, the original Shield handheld device, you know, the first generation that came out in, I think, 2012, they had a service on there called GeForce Grid or NVIDIA Grid or something like that. And you could play games streaming from the cloud to that handheld device. And uh, and it worked okay. I mean, it was doing 720p back then, but it, it still worked pretty well for what you were getting. So you could get a 720p 30 frames per second on a handheld device playing PC games. And my big problem with all of that was like the, the user interface trying to play with this like controller tablet thing pc games that just didn't do much for mm-hmm. me but i think uh, the the hardware wasn't built for that back then i was playing well, and it's, it's so it's come a long way so grid became eventually it was it became geforce they called it something else before geforce now i thought but um so it went from grid to geforce now as a like beta trial thing that you had to ask to get into and it was free and so they mostly gave it out to reviewers and testers and such. And then at some point, then they said, hey, it's going to become a pay service, but they have a free tier. And since they went to that pay service, they've they've upgraded the hardware, I think, twice now. Uh, I, I might it might only be once, but this this 3080 hardware is, you know, significantly more advanced than the previous generation hardware. So. I remember playing on live back when that was a company that was still around on like a gen two, gen three iPad. And uh, even on that, you know, I was getting lag, I think because of the hardware, despite it being cloud-based. So I have a bit of a, a negative association with cloud gaming, but I know that it's definitely uh, built up over a while. And I've used in-home streaming uh, since I guess as internet connections get faster, the difference between in-home streaming and from NVIDIA's data center streaming uh, gets yeah. thinner and thinner. Yeah. But thank you so yeah. much for joining us, Jared. Thank you for joining us, Paul. We are back to over time. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> we are over time. I actually am running late for another meeting. 
so I will have to uh, drop out soon. Um, Paul, remind me again, when can we see your uh, your Alder Lake uh, benchmarks? Number, November 4th, be there or be square. Awesome. And Jared, we can see your GeForce Now uh, testing now. over on Tom'sHardware.com right now, correct? Yes. Great. Uh, so maybe I'll have you guys on next time and we can talk about the politics of GeForce Now because I know that's a whole different can of worms. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting to hear that it actually seems to work pretty well under the right circumstances. I should give you my account and you can try it out and you, I think you'd be pleasantly surprised with the Heck sure with the $100 for 6 months tier. Give right. it to her cuz I wouldn't take it. Ah. Awesome. So, <laughs> I'm going to go play some video games for free thanks to Jared. I will see you guys uh next week. Right. And uh thanks again for joining us on the Tom's Hardware show. I'm going to play the outro. Bye everyone.